Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Dayspring. It is so good to be here with you. I, can I just say I, I'm excited that, um, that you invited me to be here, uh, Pastor Nestor, who's not with us this morning, but I'm excited. Uh, I appreciate just the, the confidence that he has in me to um, share God's word. And I'm also excited that all of you decided to make Dayspring Church a part of your Sunday morning worship experience here in person and online as well. Um, we're, we're really excited that you're here. Now, I have to give everyone who's here for the first time a disclaimer, okay? I'm going to say four things. Here's my disclaimer. So if you're here for the very, very first time, the first thing you want to, uh, we want you to know, I want you to know is you are welcomed here. We're glad that you're here, and we hope it's the first of many times you are here at Dayspring Church. So that's the first thing I want you to know if you're here for the first time. The second thing I want you to know if you're here for the first time is that this is not a perfect church. This is not a perfect church, but it is the perfect church for imperfect people who are seeking a perfect God. It is the perfect church for broken people who are desperately in need to be put back together by the master again. This is the perfect church for people who want to live out God's word in their life. That's the second thing you want to, I want you to know. The third thing I want you to know, if you're here for the very first time, is that I'm not the normal pastor, I'm not the normal preacher here, and that's good news because you're going to want to come back next Sunday, Pastor Nestor, Pastor Manolo, Pastor Tony, Pastor Angel, they are way better preachers than I am, so if you like the way I preach, you're going to want to come back and listen to them. The fourth thing I want you to know is, if you're here for the first time, uh, is that if you don't like the way I preach... If I just put you to sleep, if you're thinking, oh my goodness, where did they find this guy? I'm not the normal pastor here. Pastor Nestor, Pastor Manolo, Pastor Tony, Pastor Angel are far better speakers than I am. So you're going to want to come back next Sunday and listen to them. Good, everyone good so far? No one has left the building yet? Yes. Let's celebrate that. Now, uh, are you ready to get into God's Word this morning? I asked Pastor Nestor, hey, how much time do I have? And he said the thing you should never say to any pastor. He said, take your time. So I'm going to take my time, but I'm going to hurry up because the line at Coco's gets longer by the minute. How many can say amen to that? I want you to just do this for a moment. Close your eyes. Just lift up your hands and say, Lord, help me to understand your word for my life and give me the wisdom that I need to know what to do with it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Dayspring, I kid you not, I have been counting down the days when I get to be here because I have some exciting, fantastic news to share with you. This is going to be the news of the news for you. And how many of you are in desperate need of good news today? You're, you're, okay, so I have that for you. That's why I'm so, so, so excited. Now, before I share this good news with you, okay, I, I, 
I'm going to ask a question. I typically don't like to put anyone on the spot, but if you are a Jesus follower, you consider yourself a Jesus follower, I want you to raise your hand. You've given your life to God. You have a relationship with him. He's your Lord and Savior. Good. Almost the entire room. I'm glad. I'm glad to see that. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, maybe you're still on the outside trying to figure out if this is even something for you. Maybe you're here because someone promised you breakfast, but they tricked you. You're still going to get breakfast afterwards. And they said, we just got to make a really quick stop. And then you just pulled into day spring and now you're here. Or maybe you're here because someone just keeps nagging you and you just want to say, okay, woman, stop nagging. Okay, guy. And that's why you're here. That's okay. So maybe you're not a Jesus follower, but I pray with all my heart that after today you would reconsider because the benefits for a Jesus follower are incredible. So Jesus followers, the ones that raise your hand, let me just remind you because I know you know this already. You as a Jesus follower have been given the absolute freedom in your life because of what Jesus did for you. You have total Freedom, unlike any other freedom you can find anywhere else. For starters, you have the freedom to choose the things of God that lead you to eternal life. You now have the freedom to live in unending joy every day of your life. You now have the freedom to serve God joyfully and obey God willingly. You now have the freedom to say no to sin and those things that just ruin our lives and bind us. And you now have the freedom to say yes to the things that set you free. You now have the freedom to live in your true God-given purpose and give God honor and glory on this earth. And that's great news, but that's not the news I want to share with you. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it. I build it up too much, and I'm going to build it up even more. I asked my good friend here to give me a drum roll, and I'm going to cue it in just a moment because every good news deserves a good drum roll, right? I mean, this is it. So, and you get to drum roll with me. So I'm going to cue the drum roll in just a moment, okay? Let me, let me just set this up even more. The fantastic news I want to share with you In addition to all of these great things that you now have the freedom to do, you've also, as a Jesus follower, have been given the freedom, drum roll, drum roll, you have now been given the freedom to tame your tongue. All right. I saw that going a lot better in my mind. I, I got to be honest. As I was going over my notes, I thought, this is when they're going to go wild. I'm going to have to explain to Pastor Nestor why they were just tearing the place apart in joy and celebration. We went out there. We started dancing in the Lord. Not what I thought would happen. And, and that's okay. I, I think I understand why not everyone jumped up for joy and excitement. I think I understand why you're not as enthused as I thought you would be. And I, and I think it has to do with the fact that not everyone here seems to truly and fully understand the force in this very small part of our body that we call the tongue. The power that this small thing you call the tongue that I call the tongue has. But that's okay because God's word does a 
thorough job in explaining to us and showing us why the tongue, though something small, is something we should pay extra close attention to with great determination. And I'm convinced, it didn't go as I planned in the beginning, but I'm convinced that after today, not only will you never again underestimate the power of this small thing that we and you call the tongue, but you will appreciate, and more than appreciate, you will exercise the amazing freedom you've been given as a Jesus follower to control, to be the master over this thing that you and I call the tongue. James, the younger brother of Jesus, understood this point very well. If James were here, James would be doing backflips and saying, yes, tell them. Because James understood the power behind the tongue, so much so that he includes it multiple times in his letter. How many of you know if the Bible mentions it, it's important, but if it mentions it several times, it's something you should pay extra close attention to. And he dedicates a large portion of his letter to talk about this small thing that you and I call the tongue. And we're going to jump right in. In James chapter 1, verse 26, the first time he mentions the tongue, he says this, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Now, there's something you have to understand about the choice of words that James uses. He's not using the same word that we know today, religious. The word we know today, no one wants that word associated with them. The word we use today for religious has a negative meaning, a negative connotation, but not what, with what James is trying to say because the words that James uses here in the Greek, he uses the word threskos, which actually means when you're religious here, according to him, it's God-fearing, reverent. It's what you would call godly, worshiping God. And so what he's saying is this, if you claim to be godly, if you claim to be righteous, if you claim to be God-honoring and God-fearing, but you can't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. You're phony. And your godliness means nothing. It's worthless. And Dayspring, that alone should be enough reason to get you excited when you learn and understand that you have been given the freedom to control the tongue, but some of you don't seem so convinced. So let me give you some more. King Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever walk planet Earth, under the great wisdom of God, he also talks about the tongue. And this is what he writes in Proverbs 18.21. He writes, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk, look at someone that really loves to talk. Those who love to talk, no, don't look at him. I was just kidding. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Dayspring, you're far more obedient than Trinity Church. You guys actually did it. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And it seems a little dramatic but it's actually even more dramatic when you understand the words that King Solomon uses in the Hebrew for death and life. They are to be taken figuratively and literally. 
only is your tongue influential to your godliness, Dayspring, but your tongue also has the power to bring forth death and life on a figurative and literal level. And the more I think about this, the more I see how true this is because I have personally witnessed words bring a figurative death in life, and you probably have too. Words that bring death to something, a relationship. I hate you, and I never want to see you again. It's, as far as I know, it's over. As far as I know, you are no longer my dad. You're no longer my mom. We're no longer brothers, and the relationship dies because of words. I've also seen life be given on a figurative level through words. I, I, I'm sorry. I messed up. It was my fault. Can we start over again? And the relationship is reborn or there's life given to that. I've also seen this on a literal level, words bringing death and bringing life. Earlier this year, I was reading an article on a, on a, on a middle school a young boy here in the valley. And it was talking about the bullying that was happening in his life, specifically with words. And every time he went to school, he heard these exact words. He heard, no one likes you and you're better off dead. That's what he would constantly hear at home. And I mean, at, at school. And unfortunately, it followed him home because online they would write, no one likes you and you're better off dead. And so the boy went and he hung himself in his garage and he left a note behind. And the note said, mom, dad, they're right. No one loves me and I am better off dead. Death brought through words. And I've also seen the other side where words can bring life. I had the privilege when I first gave my life to Christ. It was, it was a scary moment, but someone was about to commit suicide, a stranger that I didn't know, right in front of me at 16 years old. And God used words from within me to give him and extend life and lead him to eternal life. He gave his life to Christ. The tongue is a powerful thing. It can bring, according to Solomon, death and life. And that should be more than enough reason for us to celebrate and not just celebrate, put into practice with urgency this freedom that we have been given to tame this small thing in our bodies that we call the tongue. But some of you still don't seem that convinced. So let me give you more. Jesus also talks about the tongue. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37, this is what Jesus says. And, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Verse 37, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. The tongue and the words it produces don't just influence our godliness. They're not just tied to death and life, but they're also connected to judgment day. And they have the power to bind us or set us free. <laughs> Dayspring, all this time, I thought they were just words I was speaking. 
But the reality is that the human tongue is an important topic in the word of God. And and, and, and it's because although our tongues can speak good, they can. They can also speak lies and they curse and they spread gossip and they slander the character of others and they tear people down and they deceive and they promote fear and they confuse and they doubt and they lead the way for hypocrisy and they reject and they even blaspheme the name of God. And that's why it's critical that we be cautious with this thing we carry around called the tongue. That is why we be cautious with every word we allow it to form far more than we ever have before. We should take on the same mentality that the psalmist David took on about his tongue in Psalm chapter 39, verse one. This is the attitude the psalmist David had in regards to his tongue. He said, I said to myself, he's checking himself. I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. I used to think that it was just my actions that caused me to sin. But it turns out my tongue can cause me to sin also. And that's why David declared that he would hold his tongue, that he would control it. And Spring, let me ask you this question sincerely. On a scale of one to 10, how much control, come on, how much control do you have over your tongue? How much control? The tongue that you have, that you carry. The book of James goes on to talk about the power of the tongue, our spoken words and the need to subdue it. He continues. This is important for James that we understand it in James chapter three, verse three through six. He said, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself set on fire by H-E double hockey sticks. (laughs) This is intense. Not only did we learn, James, at the beginning that our tongue can influence our godliness or make it worthless. And according to Solomon, not only does it have the ability to bring forth death and life, and according to Jesus, it's associated with judgment day and it'll set us free or condemn us. But it has the ability to defile, corrupt our entire body. And he uses three practical examples to get us to understand He says it's like a small bit, the tongue is small, yet has the power to control the direction of our lives, just like a small piece of metal has the ability to control a large animal like a horse. He said it's like a rudder, the way giant ships move about. 
but it's done through the small, small rudder. Our tongue can control, your tongue can control where you end up. He said it's also like a spark, like a tiny spark that sets off a large forest fire. And come on, we know that even just a few words have the ability to produce large-scale disasters in our lives or in the lives of someone else. Some of the most hurtful things that we have said or have been said to us were simple, small words. Earlier this year, my family and I got together, my my mom with my two sisters, we all got together to have a good time. And any middle children in the house? Yeah, we're the ones with issues, middle kids, and I'm a middle child. Now, I, I grew up with nothing but sisters. Anyone grew up with nothing but sisters? Okay, we have double issues, so I... So I have a younger sister named Anna, older sister named Nora. We don't get together as often, but I'm glad when we do, especially with my younger sister, because growing up, we did everything together. But she got married, we did our lives, and she moved a little further up north, so I don't get to see Anna that often. But the great thing about Anna and I and technology is that on our Apple Watches, we share exercises. And it's really my watch telling me when she exercises because I never exercise, so she never gets an alert. And I'm always getting it multiple times a day. Ding, and I just finished an exercise. Ding, and I just, at one point, I just roll my eyes. I don't even look at it while I'm eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> so Anna and I were in the kitchen, and I was just celebrating Anna, encouraging her with my words. I said, you go, Anna. You, you, you look so good. You're always working out. You're watching what you eat. That's actually how it started. I offered her uh, uh, another, another piece of, of steak that we had, and she declined. She had great self-control. And then I took her steak, and I ate it. I said, you have great self-control, Anna. How do you do? Where, where did that come from? Because I don't remember that as a kid, but you're so disciplined. You're always working out. Where, where did that come from? And then Anna says, well, growing up, I had image issues, body issues. She said, I I never liked myself. She said, so what, what I would do is just obsess over how I looked and I wasn't happy with myself. And I said, Anna, but where would you get such an idea Growing up, you were always in shape. We, we did so many physical things together. I, I remember you very active. So where on earth did you get some type of idea like that? And she looks down at the floor like if she's trying to carefully choose her words. And I'll never forget this. She looks up at me. And she says... I got it from you. Have you ever gotten a reality check that makes you feel this small? That was a plot twist. I was the bad guy the whole time and I had no idea. I thought I was being an encourager. Turns out for a lot of her life, I was the one that had discouraged her. And I said, Anna, I'm sorry, I don't remember. She says, I know you don't because we would say it as kids teasing each other. She said, I don't know why those particular words would hit me again and again and again. So growing up and when I would think about my body, your words would ring in my ear. Dayspring, when have you 
caused a great deal of harm like a large forest fire in someone else's life by a simple spark caused by an out-of-control tongue in your life. Or maybe it's happened to you. They said it as a joke. They said it in passing. Small words, but they caused a large impact. See, the tongue and the ability to have control over it is of the essence. But it's not all bad reasons behind the need to control our tongues. There are some incredibly great purposes behind controlling our tongue. Consider James chapter 3, verse 2. So it's not all negative. Watch this. He says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control our lives in every other way. Did you, did you hear that? He says, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. If we can, if you can, Dayspring, if you can learn to successfully, according to James, successfully control this, you can go on to control your entire body. And can you imagine what that would do for your life and all of the relationships you have going on around you, all of the opportunities, being able to control your tongue and your entire body, your entire life. Can you imagine how that would impact your life? You would be as close to perfect as perfect can get on this earth, according to James. But that's not all. The psalmist David also writes in Psalm 34, verse 12. He writes this. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Let's answer that. Does anyone? I raise my hand. A life that is long and prosperous, then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Not only can we control ourselves in every other way, according to James, but we can live a life that is long and prosperous if, day spring, if we can successfully control this small thing that we call the tongue. And that is why having the freedom amongst all the other freedoms, but the freedom to control our tongue should have us jumping in excitement. That's why I thought the day spring was gonna go wild when I shared that great, amazing news, because it is. So how can we master this small part of the body that can be extremely influential to our lives? How can we? You wanna know the answer? I'm going to share this next Sunday, so come to my church, bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm totally just kidding. I'm going to share it with you. But first, let me just briefly share what keeps getting in the way. Okay, I'm going to share three things that keep getting in the way, and then I'll share three things you can do that will absolutely help you. And I believe this is filling. The first thing, what impedes you from taming the tongue, Jesus' follower, is this. A well-fed flesh. As Jesus' followers, we have the spirit of God in us now, but unfortunately, we still have the flesh within us, and it fights us. And whatever we feed the most influences our behavior and influences our speech and influences what we say. And the more we keep feeding the flesh, which means simply indulging in sin, 
going against God's word, the more we keep doing that, the more it causes us to do what James describes in James chapter 3, verse 9 through 12. Watch what he says about this. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. See, the more we feed this flesh, the more we indulge in sin, the less we walk by the Spirit and the more we relinquish our dominion over our tongue and over our actions. We let the flesh take over. And this causes us to be duplicitous at best. This causes us to be hypocrites at best. This is why Paul, follower of Jesus, writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, do the things of God, obey the things of God, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. A well-fed flesh keeps getting in the way of you controlling your tongue. Number two, an unchecked temper keeps getting in the way of you being able to control your tongue. Proverbs 14, 7 says this, that a quick-tempered person does foolish things. How many of you have done something foolish or said something foolish because you were in the heat of the moment? Some of us know full well all the foolish things our tempers can make us say and do. And when our tempers, listen to this, when our tempers go unchecked, so does our tongue. When have you ever said something that you later regretted? Every time I think about what my sister said, it haunts me. I regret it and I regret it and I regret it. And I made a vow that I would watch even the smallest things as a joke in passing. We also see in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, he writes this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Nothing good comes out of our mouths and actions with an uncontrolled temper. Now, for those of us that are Jesus followers and we have unchecked tempers, we need to begin challenging ourselves to do something about it now Reach out to someone, your life group, your pastors. You have fantastic pastors. Reach out to someone. Don't think that you can control this temper because up to this point, you haven't been able to control your temper. But brother, sister, there is healing and freedom in Jesus' name. Number three, the thing that keeps getting in the way is this, an arrogant heart. When we feel we're better than those around us, what happens? Our demeanor changes towards them. We think we're better than others, so instead of talking to them on a a linear level, we talk down to them. And we know people like that in our lives that talk down to us. It changes. We become more disrespectful. We become more arrogant. 
feeling that everything is owed to us and everyone else is beneath us. And the Bible has a lot to say about arrogant people, but none of it is good. The psalmist wrote about the arrogant in Psalm 31, verse 18, saying this, silence their lying lips, the tongue, those proud and arrogant lips that accuse the godly. Arrogant lips say ungodly things. This is why Paul encourages us to be the opposite. In Philippians 2, 3, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. When we value others above ourselves, we're not going to talk down to them. You have people above you, and I guarantee you that when you go to them, you talk to them with respect because you consider them above you. We all have people, mentors, people in our families, and true or not, when you go to them, because you value them above yourselves, they mean so much to you, you, you talk to them with respect. You come to them with, a, with a, a, a humble posture and demeanor. And so as long as your heart remains arrogant, your lips won't be able to communicate words of love. Come on, we see this all around us. We call them the Karens, right? And if your name is Karen, you're a good Karen because you're in God's house. (laughs) Let me move on because some of the Karens started to raise their eyebrow at me and we're still in the hood. So I know you're feisty out here in day spring. Now, let me just give you three. This is it. We're going to wrap it up. This is what's going to help you day spring to control your tongue. Okay. Three steps to successfully taming the tongue. The first is so important, and it is to go to God. Now, understand that while we have the freedom to tame the tongue, we still need God's help, especially with something that is attached to our godliness, something that is connected to death and life, something that is associated with judgment day something that can help us live long and prosperous, this is a big deal, and that's why we need God's help. James didn't shy away from sharing this reality. He lays it out clearly in James 3, 7. He says this. Watch this. This is why we need God's help. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being contain the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. On our own human power, we can't do this. It is impossible to tame the human tongue on our own human power, but with God, all things are possible. The psalmist declared in Psalm 141, verse 3, watch this. This is, he's asking God's help to tame the tongue. He's going to God. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We need God's help to change the way we speak. But know this, change is possible because we're made in God's image. And we were meant to speak words that, of life that build up, words that bring healing, words that offer encouragement, words that reveal God's amazing redemption plan to the world. We need to go to God. Day spring number two, we need to do this. We need to guard our heart. James, uh, Jesus said, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, listen to this. He says, for whatever 
is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever is in here determines what comes out of here. Our words of our, our reflection of what's in our hearts, if we desire to control our tongues, then we need to control the junk that we allow to bombard our minds and eventually makes their way to our hearts. It's our fault when we let things come into here. It's our fault when we let things stay here. There's a saying that says this, if a bird lands on your head, is it your fault? The answer is no. Some of you are like, okay, trying to do math. It's not a math question. It's not a word problem. If a bird lands on your head, is it your fault? No. But if a bird makes a nest on your head, is it your fault? Because you let it stay there. It's the same thing with our heart. It's the same thing with our mind. We got to remove all of that. We got to shoo it away. We got to guard this thing at all costs because it determines what we say and ultimately what we do. Matthew 12, verse 35 says this, that a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. It's the adage, garbage in, garbage out. Treasure in, treasure out. Some of us grew up in homes. Listen, some of us grew up in homes where words were toxic and that's just how you grew up. And now, although you've given your life to Christ and you're in a marriage, it comes out. When you're talking to your children, it just comes out. But you can change that. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been set free. You have been set free from the, 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 the not having control of your tongue. This is great news. You don't have to continue to operate that way. You don't have to continue to say, well, that's just how I grew up. I'm just like my dad. I'm just like my mom. I can't do anything about it. Yes, you can. You have to go to God. You have to guard your heart. And number three, number three, you have to gauge your Tongue. Now, a gauge is a small tool used to measure and determine the maximum amount of something. If we had a gauge on our tongues, oh, that would be incredible. We would know when to stop. Colossians 3.8 says this, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Church, we must decide the limitation of our tongues and then manage it daily, what we say, how we say it, when we say it, and who we say it to. And it might not be easy at first, but the more we learn to gauge our tongue, the better we will become at it. Just a quick story. I already got the, the warning back there on my time, but Pastor Ness said, take your time, bro. He shouldn't have said that to a Pentecostal preacher. But just very quickly, if I could be transparent up here, I had one of the hardest things to let go was my mouth and the language that it produced. I love Jesus. I gave my life to him. He set me free almost instantly on so many different things, and I don't know why that was the one area that I struggled with. And I was what James said. With one moment, I praise God, but the next one, I curse people. And I hated it when, when things would come out of my mouth in the heat of a, of a moment or because I thought the joke would be funny or whatever it was to express myself. I hated it after I said it. It would burn in here. And so I thought maybe this is, this is it. This God doesn't want this, but he challenged me and, and, and this is all I did. It was hard. I would stop cold turkey every day. I would say, from this point forward, I'm not going to say anything negative, no cursing, no anything. And I would mess up. 
And then one day the Lord spoke to me and said, just do it a little at a time. Today, can you say one less mean thing? Today, can you say one less profane thing? Can you do that? And I thought, I can do that. But then I decided I need accountability. How many of you know that accountability works? There is a study that shows that you're 90% more likely to follow through with something when you have someone checking in on you. And so I went to my unsafe friends because I knew they'd be the best accountability partners with this. I put a thick rubber band around my wrist and I said, hey guys, I'm trying to say less mean things, less bad words. I said, you have permission to get this rubber band and flick it as hard as you can on my wrist every time you hear me say something. And then being good accountability partners said, oh, we got you. They just wanted to see me hurt. But it worked. The whole day they were paying attention to what I was saying. And I would say, no, 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 no. I said, ship, ship. <laughs> they say, nope, bring it over. It was hard at first, but little by little with God's help, I was able to learn how to gauge this and control it. And now I'm able to stop. But listen, if you're ever in doubt as to whether you should say something or not, okay, if you're ever in doubt, and if you've been thinking about getting a tattoo, I don't have any, but if you, you have those, awesome. But if you're thinking about one, this is the one you should get on right on your neck. This verse right here. Okay, watch this. Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth. The Bible said it, not me. If you're ever in doubt, just know that to this thing, oh my goodness, the power it can have. And too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. If I could just have a musician or the musicians, I, I don't know how we get down here at uh, Dayspring, but if I, you just have some music, uh, we're just gonna pray in just a moment. Listen, Dayspring, our, our tongues are a big deal in our lives. But what's an even bigger deal is the fact that you as a Jesus follower have been given the freedom to control it. And it's incredibly important that as Jesus followers, we do. Because our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our life, our future, our godliness, death and life, is affected by this very small part of our bodies that we call the tongue. And I'm confident that if you take the first step today, right now, not tomorrow or later, but right now, to set it in your heart as a Jesus follower to say, I, I need to start paying more attention to this. I can't just let it loose. I can't let it control me. I can't let it make my godliness worthless. I can't let it continue to bring death figuratively and maybe perhaps literally. I can't let it make me guilty. I can't let it defile my entire body. I can't let it have the control that it's had before. So I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. And I'm also going to pray, if you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, today is the day of salvation. 
Today is the day to begin an authentic relationship with Jesus and inherit all of the different freedoms that you will have in your life. But before we get there, just one last thing. If you have been sitting here the entire time thinking, oh, I wish Maria would have come because this sermon's for her. Oh, if only Jose were here. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to send him the link right now. Oh, that's, that's for him, but that's not for me. If you have sat there the entire time and you have thought, this is not for me, I'm, I'm good, and you have opted out of everything, I just want you to know one thing, and that is this, that a Christian life with no control of the tongue is a counterfeit Christian life out of control. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.